The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Before any of that, though, we're going to kick things off as we do every day with our afternoon update, catching you up on everything that has happened uh, today, all the uh, stories that matter most. And joining me for the afternoon update today is Ellen Butler, our own reporter here in News Talk and Fergus Finlay, columnist uh, with the Irish Examiner. Uh, You are both very, very welcome. Uh, We heard mention of it there in the news headlines um, and uh, all eyes, Ellen, this afternoon on the Oscar nominations. Slight disappointment, might I suggest, from an Irish point of view. Yeah, not quite as a big deal as the Golden Globes were, but um, Killian Murphy, good news for the Cork man. He has got a nod for uh, Best Actor in the 96th Actim- Academy Awards, rather, for his role in Oppenheimer. So, yeah, a little bit of disappointment for Barry Keoghan and Andrew Scott, who would have been hoping for, for a nomination, and Paul Meskel as well, who did well uh, on the other award ceremonies. But, um yeah, and we also have Element Pictures, a Dublin-based production company. They got a nomination for their uh, their uh, involvement in Poor Things, which got 11 nominations. That's the one starring Emma Stone. Okay, so not, not quite the bumper crop of nominations we had last year. We were spoiled last year. Of course, we didn't really come home with a, a, a huge amount. Um, are we going through something of a, a cultural moment in this country, Fergus? Seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. It seems that way. I mean, I, I We talked about Kneecap yesterday and their success <laughs> yeah. at the Sundance well, Film I went Festival. To, um, I went to see Oppenheimer. I thought it was an absolutely phenomenal movie. And I don't know if I've seen a better performance um, than, than uh, our man who played uh, Robert mm. Oppenheimer. I mean, it was tortured, it was complex, it was, it was really, really gripping, really gripping. The movie itself is astonishing. Um, uh, and, and I would thrill to see how many nominations. I haven't seen the other one, the Irish produced one, but I'm um, yeah. looking forward to seeing that. Saw a trailer of it. Um, and it looks weird, but interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's the Frankenstein story, I think, isn't it's, it? It's, it's sort kind of, of sort of like, like, like twist Frankenstein on it. story with music and dancing. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, do you know what? I often, I often read that book, and I thought, you know, we're this book is music, missing a bit of music and dancing. I thought. Um, and Barbie, by the way, got seven or eight nominations, yeah. which I was also thrilled by. Yeah, but really, did really you see Barbie? It. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it, absolutely loved it. No nomination though for Margot Robbie, no, for Barbie no. and Someone Greta Gerwig. She's had enough. She's had enough <laughs> nominations like, yeah. and enough wins. Oh, this is the big one though. This That's, is the big one, overlooked yeah. cruelly. I haven't heard anyone um, criticise Oppenheimer. I've heard criticism of Barbie. <sighs> yeah, okay. yeah. Bar- Barbie divide, divided people, yeah. all right. Funny enough, it seemed to divide people almost on left-wing, right-wing grounds. Um, <laughs> if you were... You know, a columnist with the Irish Catholic, you were again Barbie. You thought it emasculated men and all that kind of thing. I thought the rest of us just thought it was a fabulous bit of fun, which I made know. its points lightly and well. I didn't really enjoy it. Did you, you not? No, no. I, well, I came away from feeling depressed, to be honest. Oh. But it told me everything I already, I already knew. So maybe people who went in and hadn't thought about these things before, perhaps. Maybe you'd make a great <laughs> columnist with the Irish Catholic. <laughs> Maybe you know? I would. Uh, Ryan Gosling got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And he was brilliant. In Barbie. Yeah. Brilliant. Although my wife and I still debate his six-pack. Is it real or is it not? <laughs> We're still not sure. Oh, I assumed, sorry, I assumed it's real. Is there controversy over this? In ours. Is it a, oh, okay. It's a real. fake six-pack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, now he is getting on. It's a hell of a So six-pack. I'm not sure if he'll have it forever. Paul but. Giamatti, apparently, in the holdovers... Big is, is big the big threat to our man Killian. So we hear, yeah. Anyway, anyway listen, uh, we are delighted, everybody delighted for Killian. Uh, he comes across as a very likeable fellow, doesn't he? 
Killian Murphy. He is. He lives in Monkstown in Dublin um, and uh, he's really well liked by neighbours mm. down there, really well liked as somebody who's modest, unassuming. I'm married to a Kenny woman. Wants to live, mm, wants to live always, a family life. Always helps, always helps. <laughs> um, the, um, the other story um, uh, kind of doing the rounds today is a couple of them. One of them is about cash. So this came out of Cabinet today. Um, cash must be accepted in supermarkets, pharmacies and some other businesses. So talk us through this, Alan. Yeah, so uh, Finance Minister Michael McGrath brought this at Cabinet today. They signed off on it. Basically, the idea is that supermarkets, convenience stores and pharmacies, their goods are considered essential. That's why... Um, the, the minister and the government believes that uh, they should have to accept cash. Now, of course, this came up, hit the headlines last year when the NCT operator announced that it was no longer going to accept cash payments. That decision since reversed after intervention by um, junior transport minister uh, Jack Chambers. Um, but public outcry as well that you can't really deny you know, cash to, say, older people, low-income households who would rely on it. Now, others would say you have to move with the times as well. You know, um, cash payments are way down on pre-pandemic levels. Do you um, ever carry cash? I carry some emergency cash. Literally, okay. that's I don't use it otherwise. Um, do you carry cash? No, I don't. I don't. I, I, if you ask me for five cents now, I wouldn't be able to give it to you. I don't carry cash anymore. And I, I, uh, to be honest with you, there's a terrible old slur going on about older people not being able to cope with this. Um, we can all learn. We can all adapt. And we need to. Um, I, I carry a Revolut card now. It wasn't easy to introduce myself to Revolut, I have to tell you that. Yeah. I, it just struck me as a kind of an odd thing. Um, but it has this great advantage that you can only spend what you have. Um, every time you spend anything, it sends a little message to your mobile phone saying, telling you what you've just spent so you can keep abreast of stuff. Um, it does feel a bit odd if you go into the local shop um for a you know pint of milk, and they ask for one euro sixty five, and you produce a card. It doesn't. It feels takes a bit of getting used to that bit of it. Yeah. But but I I don't know any old people or older people who can't cope with this. Do you, do you, and, do you find I, that kind of annoying? And you know what? As soon as you said it, it reminded me of um, the, when. Who left the market? Was it Ulster Bank leaving the market last year? Yeah, it was yeah. Ulster Bank, and 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 I remember having a conversation on the Tonight Show on Virgin uh, Media um, wherein I was making, Fergus, some of the points you were and I was rounded upon by some of the other panellists who suggested, no, there was lots of old people out there who desperately needed their hands held. And I said, I, 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 the point I was trying to make was that, of course, there are people who need assistance, people of all ages who need assistance. But sometimes in these discussions, there's a kind of a, a, an implication that as soon as you pass 65, well, you're some sort of imbecile. Yes, and when you pass 70, you're an imbecile who dribbles. Um, now, I probably dribble a bit, but that's dental work, nothing else. Um, <laughs> I was wondering where you going to mention it. <laughs> um, they, look, my daughter, Mandy, has Down syndrome. She's She does everything with a card, right? She manages a card. Everyone can learn to manage a card. I will admit that when Ulster Bank, God forsake them, left the market, I did need a bit of hand-holding to make the changes because... There are no facilities for, you know, it, it, you have to kind of take three weeks out of your life to switch all your mm. uh, transactions from one bank to but another. But I think that's a, that's a reflection of how complicated it is a changing complicated standing orders yeah. and all of that yeah. from one it, bank over to another, rather than the reflection of the fact that you're over I, 65. I agree, I agree. And I, I don't think anybody, no matter what their age, would have found it easy to, to open, you know, to, to close a busy bank account and open mm. a new one. But the business of age... 
I mean, I, I, I guess I suppose at one level, but at another level, let's get let's move at times, get home with it. I mean, we don't need to be carrying buckets of cash around. Um, just grow up. Now, the, the other argument is is the whole Big Brother is watching and people oh, yeah, wanting yeah, their yeah. civil liberties. And yes. well, see, that's yeah. the undercurrent yeah. in this. Not uh, there are people who genuinely just they they want to still use cash. They always have used cash. They prefer using it. They find it easier to <coughs> stick to their budget every week. You know, when they've got cold hard cash in their pocket. There are other people though who who you know support uh, this move by government because they they really believe that there is a big plan to enslave yeah. us all yeah. and yeah. part of that enslavement yeah. plan is to get cash yeah. out of our yeah. wallets. Yeah. Or the banks will go bust. I listened to an interview yeah. um, the other day with Bill Gates um, uh, who, who said, he's a very humorless man, he's not an easy man to interview, but he said in the, in one of his later moments that he sometimes gets stopped in the street by people who believe he's chipped them and that he's controlling their movements. And he found himself in a conversation with one woman saying, Lady, why would I want to know where you are? I don't know who you are. Why would I want to know where you are? So that, but first, they never have the answer to why. It's like the, the great replacement thing, you know, <laughs> they, they want migrants to replace us. They never have an answer to, well, why? Let's this assume is, you're right for a moment. So why the, do people want us replaced? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, but, but we all look at each other and we recognise how irreplaceable we are. Um but apparently this business of using cards is a plot by Bill Gates and George Soros to enslave us all. Um, and, you know, down with that sort of thing, I say. Mike, who is a Galway old age pensioner, says, I could have a wallet full of cards, but if I don't have a bit of cash, I'll always feel broke. Uh, uh, on the that's Oscars. Secular, that's psychological. Uh, another Irish person is up for an Oscar, Robbie Ryan, cinematography for Poor Things. That's true. Uh, okay, Sean in Dundalk says, Kieran, I thought Oppenheimer was too long and a bit of a bore. Treated it like a TV miniseries and I watched an hour a night over three nights and that's what he would recommend as a way of watching it. I just think movies are far too long these days. Well, I'm the Irishman, um, the Scorsese movie from a few years ago, yeah. that was, was, long. A, that was, was very long. That and was people... Long. There was kind that of was long because certain, it was boring. Points. It was, <laughs> that was yeah. long because it was well, boring. It was boring because it was long. If you're making a film and it's longer than ninety minutes, why? It shouldn't. There's scenes there that you can yeah. take out. It doesn't need to be longer than there ninety minutes. There were a couple of scenes in, in Oppenheimer, um, uh, actually, that you could have done without. That didn't add much exactly. to the story. Um, a couple of sex scenes, for example, that were absolutely redundant to the to the story. But the rest of it was just entirely gripping. Ah, you need a few sex scenes. You know, spice it up a bit. Do you? Okay. The, the, <laughs> the most gripping thing I've read, I've watched recently is Mr. Bates in the Post Office and I watched four hours of it on the trot. My missus and I binged the whole thing. No sex in that, by the way. Not a titter of sex, if you'll pardon the expression. Uh, but absolutely gripping for the whole four hours. Utterly sexless and absolutely gripping. There you go. Says Fergus Finlay. Yeah. <laughs> 73 year old put that, on the, put that on the poster. <laughs> put that on the poster. Jesus, we seem to have got our Eurovision fever early this year with the Oscars. We can't win every award for every Irish film <laughs> that every Irish actor has ever appeared in. Uh, somebody else suggests. Um, uh, somewhat uh, more seriously, the Doomsday Clock. Uh, so this is this um, countdown that is carried out uh, the countdown to midnight, it was, I think, back in the Cold War, wasn't it? During the Cuban Missile oh, Crisis yeah. is when it came closest uh, to midnight. It has, in the last couple of years, come very close again. So we're 90 seconds from midnight. It has been updated about 30 minutes ago, actually. And the update is there is no update. We are no further from midnight, but no closer to midnight. So things, Fergus, it seems as perilous this year as they were last year. 
Uh, yeah, uh, in, in my head, actually, they're more perilous. I, 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 um, yeah, I thought it would move closer. Yeah, the, the doomsday clock was invented originally as a way of measuring the danger the world was in, how close we were to nuclear annihilation. Um, now, it measures a number of things. It measures the dangers of global warming. It measures the dangers of nuclear war. It measures the dangers of bioterrorism. Uh, and, and a couple of and under a lot of those other headings, I think, were closer than, you know, global annihilation as a consequence of a nuclear war seems to me less likely. But climate change, my God, we, we are getting closer and closer and closer. The existential threat rather it's, than, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of, I suppose, wars and conflicts. We've had them throughout the years, whereas this is something that's yeah. there in the background. And not to disagree with the assessment of those responsible for setting the time, Ellen, but you wonder what value there is in the doomsday clock? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's lost its effect at this stage or if we're hearing just too much about doom and gloom and nobody takes it seriously enough. I think it it is, I'm not sure many people would have known uh, it was being updated I today. hope it's a kick in the arse, if you'll pardon the expression. I, it, it certainly, For whom though? Well, that's the problem, I think. Policymakers don't pay it any attention mm. and they're the people who should. Um, you know, we've just been through... Uh, um, a COP, a uh, global cl- climate conference, which was marginally successful, but nothing like as revolutionary as it needed to be. Um, and, you know, doom- and the doomsday clock possibly moved a little closer to midnight as a consequence of that conference. Mm. Um, but policymakers aren't listening. No, I guess the only people, in my sense of it, who are excited by this, if excited is the right word, are the type of people who were kind of banging the table about these issues anyway. Not sure this kind of convinces anybody who is agnostic about the threat. Well, well, it, I, I, to I, get it, activated. Those of us who are common people um, get it. I think um, in a way that maybe experts would get it. You know, with, without this kind of. I think the dramatising of the doomsday clock is a useful thing. It's a okay. useful reminder to us all. Well, in the last, it's about just over 30 minutes ago now, uh, it was uh, updated. 90 seconds to midnight is still the time, which I mean, relative to those 12 hours, is, is pretty close. Uh, you'd have to agree. Um, before you go, I do want to ask you about this um, Alzheimer's test. So, Alan, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, so this is a new blood test that appears to be uh, just as good at detecting the signs of Alzheimer's disease as the um, the painful and invasive lumbar punctures that have been used in the past. Uh, anyone who's had one can attest how unpleasant they are. Um, but basically what it does, it's um, it's looking for measuring levels for a certain protein in your blood that is a marker for biological changes in the brain and can can detect Alzheimer's. So it's said to uh, be better than a range of uh, Plenty of other tests currently under development. And in this particular study, 786 people were tested. Uh, it is one of those areas, um, Fergus, where one would expect big developments like this to keep happening, given just the sheer scale of people yeah, would, we yeah. know uh, who, who will continue to suffer with Alzheimer's as we all live longer. I mean, a, a touch of dementia is probably is, is, you know, waiting for all of us at some point uh, down the tracks. Um I, maybe this isn't fair to ask in the context of this because there are there are things you can do to halt the progress of Alzheimer's and there are treatments for it. Would you take a test though for a condition for which there was no cure to find out if you I, had Well, it? I would never have taken a lumbar puncture test, that's for sure. Um, uh, I mean, it is the case, as I understand it, that all of the treatments for Alzheimer's are work best in the earliest possible yeah. stages. That if, you know, once the condition has taken hold there is no real treatment. Um, 
And, and that's a tragedy. And if there's, I, I mean, my youngest daughter, when she was a little girl, had to have a lumbar puncture for suspected meningitis. And mm. it was traumatic for her and for her family. It was an awful thing. Uh, and I wouldn't want anyone to have to undergo a lumbar puncture to detect something like that. Um, especially when uh, I think we'll stick to what Donald Trump did. I mean, Donald Trump passed. Right, bleach. Well, no, no, no. That was for COVID. He drank bleach <laughs> for COVID. He, he answered questions like, can you identify a whale? And can you spell car? Backwards? Oh, yes. And, and uh, he answered a whole series of questions. And by all accounts, by his own account, which he has now repeated 45 times, he aced those tests. So he doesn't have Alzheimer's. <laughs> He, he kept referring to Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley in a speech the other night, but he doesn't have Alzheimer's. No, he absolutely no. doesn't. Not a touch of it. Uh, would you, Alan, do a test for a condition for which there's no cure? It's a very good question. It's a hard I'm one, isn't sure, it? yeah. And the younger you are, I suppose, the, the longer you're left there are, facing that reality. There are conditions that, that can occur in families. Huntington's and, disease and it's, is and an it's awful, awful, awful condition. And it's very and often genetic recommended test for it. that there be a genetic test. Um because earlier treatment is better yeah. than later treatment. But, but the, for some, there's no treatment. There's no I treatment, mentioned Huntington's. Yeah. I remember interviewing a few people from one family and they, they were split. Some of them were going to get the test and others weren't. They just wanted, they were, I know, yeah, if it happens, I want to live happens. in ignorance and yeah. enjoy my life without this hanging over yeah. me. Uh, somebody else, I, in the exact same family, made the argument that they couldn't enjoy their life with this hanging, with the unknown hanging yeah. over them. So it's, yeah. it's completely, just, so there's no right answer. It's just curious. There isn't a right mm. answer. It's a matter for, of individual perspective, I think, really. Uh, well, here's a text on individual perspective. Kieran, I've never liked Killian Murphy ever since he shot Michael Collins. And now he goes and builds a nuclear bomb. It's gone from bad that to worse. He didn't shoot Michael Collins. <laughs> he was, was, he was. Yeah. was oh no, the, he's, he's Reece, wrong. Yeah. That was Jonathan Rhys Myers. Jonathan Rhys Myers. Yeah. Yes, Poor Killian Murphy. Right. Just want to correct the record Murphy, there. Killian Murphy. I mean, his, 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 his like, character I that. introduced. I actually <laughs> predicted. I saw Killian Murphy's first ever movie which was a little Irish movie called Disco Pigs. Yes. It was a kind of uh, late 20th century version of Clockwork Orange. And it was fantastic. I can't remember the girl in it, but, but the two of them were amazing. And ever since that moment, I'd known he was going to be a huge star. He was yeah, phenomenal. Seriously talented and so modest and humble. Like, yeah. Such a likeable guy. Elaine, like us, like us. Yes, exactly. Elaine yeah. Cassidy was in Disco Pigs. There you go now. There you go. Ellen Butler, News Talk reporter, Fergus Finlay, columnist of the Irish Examiner. Thank you both very much uh, for joining me for the afternoon uh, update. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.